sorts last night in in my dream i i'm not sure what its connection to airplane is if anything mm-hmm. but um perhaps we can discover it throughout the course of this episode but i was telling matt earlier that the dream had me in a uh, a hotel room with a couple other people and it was like i was there for some kind of mandatory class i had to take and the teacher of this class in this dark hotel room was a, a movie villain a notorious Whoa. movie villain, and I was very, very afraid of him the wow. whole time. And so I was wondering if you'd like to guess who this notorious movie villain might be who is teaching my class. Um, it's so funny. So <laughs> before when you texted me about this, uh, I didn't know it was a movie villain. And so what came to mind was like, oh, who was what famous person was teaching you? Spielberg or maybe Hanks. Um, Hanks. I would maybe even D'Onofrio. Um, but if D'Onofrio was teaching me, that'd be a great omen. That would be a great omen. <laughs> know that good things were coming in life in general. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but now that I know it's a villain, I have to guess Frank. Ah, from uh, Blue from Velvet. Blue Velvet. Hopper. That's a good guess, but mm-hmm. it is not correct. Okay. I mean, uh, I know it's completely vague to be like, just guess a villain. No, I'm I'm excited about this. You said it has virtually no or no connection to airplane? Um, pr- Like exactly no connection okay. to airplane. No, um, literally no connection at all. <laughs> is it the priest from the thuggy cult in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? <laughs> I like how you're thinking of movies that are very like dark and surreal and dreamlike. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. I am. <laughs> it's not the priest from the thuggy cults sadly uh we have we have mentioned this villain on this podcast okay. um i'll give you a hint please the color red okay um <laughs> adrian brody from the village <laughs> another good guess fortunately not <laughs> i i am really enjoying this um let's see the color, can i have another guess Another guess or another hint? Another oh, oh another hint. Thank you. <laughs> Color red and um, uh, spiky horns. Oh, perfect. Mall. <laughs> awesome. That is so cool. Mall. Yeah. yeah. Darth Mall. God, that's awesome. I would love to have a dream with him. I think that might have been my first mall dream I've ever had, and it was very vivid. Wow, that's amazing. I just remember I was in this, there were like two beds uh-huh. and there were two people in each bed and I was with an old friend on my bed mm-hmm. and then the other bed were two people who were just like covered in their covers because they were so afraid and I was just lying down and Maul came over to me and kind of hovered over me and just started asking kind of like Shigur um, oh, in No Country for Old oh, Men, what yeah. I'm doing with my life. Wow. And I had to respond what I'm doing in order to appease Maul. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he would like touch me with like his kind of lightsaber thing, but it wasn't, it wasn't hurting me. But there was this sense that he would kill me at any second. Oh my God. That's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> That's so horrifying. <laughs> 
It's also yeah. I don't I don't know what it meant. Wow, it's like you have just like his two edged lightsaber, his two sided lightsaber. His his threats were both physical and like psychological. It seemed like he was playing mm-hmm. a game with you. Yeah, yeah. He spoke in like a very deep voice. Wow. As well. You know that uh, September 14th, so just the other day, is International Darth Maul Day. Really? Yeah. I, and, I, I thought I'd heard that. <laughs> yeah, because I put it on my Facebook. Maybe you saw it there. I didn't. Oh, you didn't. Oh, no. that's so funny. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if I texted you about it because that's. Uh, it's. It's something that I made up. Uh, <laughs> I I put a picture of Darth Maul on my Facebook the other day, and I just boldly proclaimed that it was International Darth Maul Day, and it's something that I really hope. I really hope takes off. I'm going to start actively promoting it. You should you should do it like every three months. <laughs> just, just have like a new international Darth Maul day. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be an annual Darth Maul day. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it can be like sept annual, like seven times a year. <laughs> I think it's worth celebrating Darth Maul that many times. <laughs> just pausing from our daily lives to consider Darth Maul. It is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> God, I've been talking. Actually, this is like the fifth conversation in the past week I've had about Darth Maul. Really? He's just really been on my mind. What What could that mean that we've got so much Maul energy in the universe right now? <laughs> That's a really good question. I like the idea of Maul energy. Yeah. He, is he the Phantom Menace? Is that Maul? Oh, no. That's uh, that's Sidious. Ah. Right? Certainly not Plagueis. <laughs> certainly not Plagueis. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I never <laughs> thought about the fact that that title actually refers to something. <laughs> this is just mysterious. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's a uh, maybe the Phantom Menace refers to George Lucas's own conscience. He's like, <laughs> it's something that he knows he has, but he can't quite figure it out. Yeah, and it, it could be Steven him. Spielberg. It, oh yeah, Steve, maybe Steven Spielberg is the Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace behind the scenes who forced these prequels to suck. Yeah. I like the idea that I like the idea of calling someone a menace. I think menace is such a funny word. Um, yeah. It's like the lowest it's like the lowest form of of like uh dictator. Dictator? <laughs> yeah. Just a menace. It's just such a menace. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to think about what mall means. Yeah. To the world right now. Maybe some some insights will come yeah. as we re- recollect scenes from Airplane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this this episode maybe should just be called Mall and Airplane. <laughs> Darth Mall and Airplane. <laughs> just go hand in hand. <laughs> That's so funny. Darth Mall is quite silent. He only says about three things. Does he? Yeah. I... Yeah, he said way more in my dream than he did in the movie. And he speaks language, right? He speaks English? or He does. Ah. Yes, he okay. does. He might speak other languages, but he does speak English. Does the language in Star Wars have a name? Is it called the common tongue? Oh. Everyone calls that the common tongue. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Anyway. Like Star Wars is like... It's kind of like in this expansive mythological world, mm-hmm. but the world builders... A.K.A. George Lucas, 
lacked the talent or patience to like really develop that yeah exactly like, you know t- like tolkien you know created a language mm-hmm. yeah so that if you use a word like common tongue it could be contrasted to elfish yes whereas like george lucas basically just had like lizard creatures like sputtering random sounds exactly <laughs> he's like that's good enough yeah the- <laughs> <laughs> we'll just claim that we consulted some language expert at UCLA. <laughs> you know, another um, film that has a has a language with a translation and everything. Airplane. Airplane. Jive. 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 That is one of the classic, like, well-known <laughs> sequences. Those, those two guys speaking jive. <laughs> and it's like, in, it's, it's super intense dot jive. Like, you can tell that they are using, like, English words. But the the way they like format things together and like <laughs> the way certain words stand in for other meanings is just so amazing. I wish I could say what they say right now because it made me laugh so much. Each time they spoke, I rewound it like 15 times. Yes. The only sentence I remember, well, I remember a couple. One, first of all, the the old white lady who translates Jive and speaks yeah. Jive to them. Do you know who that is? The mom and Leave It to Beaver. Yes, right? the mom from Leave It to Beaver. So <laughs> apparently when everyone saw that, like the first time this came out, they just died. They thought it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love she says, cut me, cut me some slack, Jack. <laughs> she says, just hang loose, blood. And hang then loose, blood. She says something that I can't like, you know, represent again. And uh-huh. I think one of the guys is like, what is this, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummy. <laughs> that Yeah, my mama didn't raise no dummy. I, that's the other one I remember. <laughs> It's so like messages pop up, you know, like, like sit down or like seatbelts on. It has a translation (laughs) beneath it in jive. (laughs) I think fasten your seatbelt is like put on a (laughs) seatbelt. Yeah. Another one is, uh, please sit down. It says like, go sit down now. (laughs) Go, go sit down now. (laughs) That's a, that's a good thing about this movie is that that's one thing that people just couldn't get away with these days. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, there are several moments that <laughs> I I don't know if you'd call them racist or just like mm. just kind of I don't know laughing about different cultures and uh, different yeah. things like it's playing on stereotypes for sure and mm-hmm. people are very sensitive about stereotypes these days but like when that came out I don't think anyone really cared and it was hilarious and we can still laugh yeah. about it now and like the fact that a Japanese guy stabs himself like when exactly. he stands up in this very ritualistic fashion is clearly <laughs> paying on the Japanese suicide mm-hmm. stereotype and then there's even um, a moment when someone mentions like this uh, telecom woman says something about Air Israel pulling into a particular gate and oh. it shows a plane <laughs> and the plane itself has a beard and a turban on. Yeah. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. And I, I remember watching that scene and I was, I was like looking at it and I'm not positive, but like I'm pretty sure that was a real airplane. So that means they had to get like an enormous wig. Right. Like, <laughs> like a wig, like half the size of a football field. Yeah. Yeah, that was ridiculous. There are there are so many. There's like these Hare Krishna sort of guys. I couldn't really tell much about them. Which, by the way, those guys I think are twins. Yeah, they look the exact same. They did, and I never realized that until this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, yeah, there are just a number of things where you're right. You you wouldn't have gotten away with it today. Like somehow the movie, though nothing about it seems vindictive because it's all done with the with the absolute pure motivation of being silly. Like that's, mm-hmm. I really get the impression that's all this movie was trying to do because there were non sequitur jokes like 
when Stryker, he's in the cockpit with uh, with the stewardess and Leslie Nielsen's character. <laughs> he says something like, he says something, and then they just, in monotone, repeat what he said. Yeah, he says, it's an entire, entirely different kind of flying, altogether. <laughs> it's an say. entirely different kind of flying, altogether. <laughs> and then the conversation just continues. Yeah, yeah. There, I, that was one where I was like, what did that mean? And I was like, I don't think it did. I think they were filming, and then the directors just said, all right, now do this. Well, it's because he says um, it's entirely different kind of flying altogether, like altogether. Let's oh. all say it. And so they just say it's an entirely different kind of flying. <laughs> wow. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I think it took me years until I finally got that. Wow. Part. <laughs> I can only imagine there are more like that that I didn't get mm-hmm. because it, it, this movie has an incredible attention to detail, like details that would have taken a a lot of effort for the payoff of a single joke like when robert stack you know he's the the guy from unsolved mysteries oh yeah he plays kramer yeah he plays kramer when we meet him the first time there's that famous scene where he's looking at himself in the mirror and then we cut away to the dog and then we cut back to the mirror and he walks out of the mirror i never even noticed that oh really yeah yeah he like (laughs) we're like looking at him in the mirror and then you like cut to the dog, then you cut back to him, and it's as if he just walks out of the mirror. Like the way they had to do that was like they had to like remove part of the wall and have him like walk through it. Like that would have taken so much effort to film that, and they did it just for a single very silly joke. Yeah. There's a part where Lloyd Bridges is like flustered about something and he goes to his desk and like leans on his desk in this very specific posture right as the camera is panning left and there's a massive portrait on the wall behind him where he's in the exact same posture with the exact same look on his face yes for sure (laughs) it's so amazing (laughs) lloyd bridges in general like there's not many characters in this movie who have like a character arc but he mm-hmm. has a character arc yeah. and it's essentially the arc of a man who's clearly an addict in many ways who relapses into the depths of his addiction and loses his mind and seemingly kills himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always watching it this time i was i was more paying attention to his character and as he jumped out that window i was like wait a second we're almost at the end of the movie like we don't yeah. see him again no the last time we see him is after he starts sniffing glue again <laughs> and so funny. losing his mind and he's staring at the, the plane careening toward the tower and yeah. he screams it's coming right at us it just runs for the window and leaps out to so, seemingly his death, but apparently yeah. he's in the sequel. Yeah, oh, really? Okay, that's funny. Yeah, I don't know if we can count that, though. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Um, That and so many other scenes of this movie, something that should draw the attention of everyone else is treated as a nonchalant daily occurrence. And so no one even reacts <laughs> to the fact that he just jumped out a window, which just... <laughs> It's so it's it's way better than what a lot of movies do today where a character does something insane and then all the other characters draw attention to it. It's like yeah, it, like they ha- feel like they have to have a response to it. Yeah, exactly. Um but that lack of response actually I think makes it way funnier <laughs> because it's just like it's first of all faster and it's it's somehow it, the lack of calling it out makes it a more enjoyable thing to watch. Yeah, that's kind of consistent throughout the movie. 
It's yeah. like ridiculous, absurd things happen and no one really responds to them. It's just like exists within this universe. Like when Stryker gets his ticket for the plane and she asks smoking or non and he says smoking and he just gets a ticket that is <laughs> covered in smoke. Yes. <laughs> emitting tons of smoke. Yeah. And instead of looking no response, at it. Yeah. He doesn't like. Yeah. It's like, whoa, that's, what's this? <laughs> just like is. That's all it is. It is. And I feel like that's the. The brilliance of this movie, along with well-done parody, satire, and absurdity, is that they allow the absurd to exist in a way that is perceived of as normal, and that gives so much power to whatever, like in the case of satire, whatever message they're trying to make, in the case of parody, whatever thing they're trying to mimic, um, because it's just like taken, taken as just normal. And uh, when you accept something as normal that's totally absurd, it, again, is not only more enjoyable, but it has the ability to sort of like kind of give like a, a message of some kind. Whether that message is like, hey, the real world is as absurd as this one, or maybe it's just like, hey, we're just making fun of a stupid movie. Do you think that's what that latter one is what the message of Airplane is? I think it might be because... I know it's like just not to like go too much into this uh, or like force it, but I'm just like super interested in satire and parody and they're often used in conjunction um, and they're often mistaken for being the same thing, but they're not. Uh, hmm. Parody is like mimicking something. Yeah. Like Weird Al song. Exactly. A Weird Al song is parody mm -hmm. and satire is, I, um, I believe... I forget the first part of the definition, but the linchpin of the definition of satire is that it's trying to make a statement of some kind. Yeah, often with like a social or political implication. Exactly. Uh, an airplane doesn't seem to be satire to me, um, mm. unless you say it's sat satirizing kind of melodramatic action movies. But in that case, I think it's just parody. Um Hmm. It could be it could be satire. I'm not like saying it's not, but like when I see airplane, I, I think of it in, in terms of like I kind of watch it as like a parody. What what would be like an example of satire that like can you think of any? Yeah, I think maybe um Team America would be more satire because it's kind of making a statement about like American imperialism or uh the way the overindulgent self importance of actors. Like it's sort of it kind of is making these social points. Because um, satire does tend to like dumb things down in mm -hmm. a way, like make things seem like really dumber, <laughs> really, really dumber, <laughs> <laughs> super duper dumber and like idiotic in yeah. order to make like the bigger, bigger points. Yeah. And I'm not positive about this, but I'm, I think satire really might only be able to exist with parody. Like for example, the Colbert Report that was doing a parody of Bill O'Reilly and it was making satirical points, you know? Um, and so I feel like satire kind of needs parody, but parody isn't necessarily satire. I don't know. Hmm. I'm sorry I went down this. No, I this think it's interesting. Hole. I know that, like, I think, like, the, uh, maybe, like, the film that I most associate with satire is Dr. Strangelove. And mm. how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Totally. I think is the subtitle. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick, which you know, obviously Stanley Kubrick was a, a pretty smart dude, and most of his movies aren't like satirical or parody at all. Like I think, this, or even funny. 
Yeah, even funny. Mm-hmm. It's like this weird Stanley Kubrick comedy that is a satire of, I mean, I guess basically just the Cold War in general and just yeah. like this like power play between the u.s and russia and like what is really at the root of that and yeah there's some some interesting things there that's that movie i was just thinking last night that movie is very much worth a snob yeah i there's had so much there it, it is that movie's so amazing you're right that's i feel like that movie is kind of uh seen as like the poster child of satire yeah so yeah every time i've seen a definition of satire it always has like political social implications mm-hmm. yeah like it, at the very least it's drawing attention to something and at the most it's advocating for a certain stance on a certain issue right like whereas i think your point is valid that airplane is more just like parodying this like old airplane movie called zero hour yes. exclamation point yeah wait did zero hour have an exclamation point it did ah okay so that's where it came from <laughs> Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Zero Hour, which there's a great YouTube video that uh, shows scenes from Zero Hour and ne- and then followed by that scenes from Airplane. And uh-huh. I think the YouTube video is about <laughs> maybe about like a half hour long. And <laughs> there are scenes and sequences that are the exact same from Airplane uh, that were in that were in Zero Hour. And it's the same plot. It's the exact same plot. Yeah, like people get sick on the plane in zero hour by eating fish. (laughs) (laughs) They need to have like an ex-war pilot land the plane. Like it's the same movie. Same plot, which I think is so great and so funny because the the Zucker brothers and I forget his first name, maybe Jerry Abrahams, um, the guys who wrote and directed uh, Airplane said that they when they wrote this, they didn't feel like they had a mastery of film structure. So they just literally took the, the structure from a different movie. And like by taking the structure, they took they took the entire thing and actually bought the rights to quote remake the movie because yeah. they were afraid that they would be sued for like, you know, stealing the movie, which they did. Yeah. <laughs> but no one cared about Zero Hour, so it only cost them twenty five hundred bucks. <laughs> exactly, it was like a B movie. <laughs> and apparently, I've heard that like around that time, so many like weird airplane tragedy movies were being made because that was like the first time when air travel was becoming common. Okay. Like Zero Hour came out in the 50s. Yeah, 57. 57. Yeah. Yeah. Last night was the first time when I saw those YouTube clips of like the comparison and they are literally just straight from that movie. So it kind of lent Airplane a new uh, perspective for me. And like it's amazing that it can just operate independent of this stuff. Yeah. But like for instance, there's a little boy in um, Zero Hour named Joey, I believe, (laughs) and... He visits the cockpit and the pilot's like, Joey, we have a little something for our special guest and like gives him this model airplane. And then he's looking at him in kind of a creepy way. And he's like, you ever been in a cockpit before? And then it ends there. And so that those two moments are literally recreated in airplane. But then they take it one step further by having the pilot say, you ever seen a grown man naked? Yeah, I love (laughs) those questions. That that sequence, that scene is so well known. Those questions that the pilot asks are so ridiculously funny. Like they they go between like being very obvious, like what the pilot is getting at, and then being kind of subtle. Like, do you, do you like gladiator films? Yeah. You ever hang around a Turkish prison? 
it's just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's the only indication in the movie that this guy is maybe a pedophile yeah. or something. Oh, it's totally normal in every other scene. And just another great thing uh, taking place in the cockpit is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> He's in the movie. It's drawn attention to the fact that he is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> he is like vehemently denying it, even though his face is saying that, yes, he is. And then he finally admits it and yells at Joey. <laughs> and then later and in the movie. they drag him out later. That... Just wearing his basketball shorts and knee pads. And his little, like, protective goggles. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's just <laughs> gradually receded into the identity of the actor playing <laughs> Roger Murdoch. <laughs> they just, like, decided the joke in itself was the fact that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is playing this guy. <laughs> so amazing. And it's so great because every other thing about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that movie is he's playing everything totally seriously. You know, he's... Yeah, he's a pilot. He's a pilot. That's it. <laughs> and I think toting that line between serious and silly is where these this movie is just a master. So I learned that basically the four main, uh, like, elderly male characters in this movie. So the pilot, uh, Lloyd Bridges, Strike... No, uh, Kramer, Kramer, and Leslie Nielsen. Like, those yeah. four guys were serious actors, and I think this was their first movie ever doing comedy it was yeah but they realized the the zucker brothers and abrahams like that they could have they should i don't know why how they realized it but that they should get serious actors to play these roles yeah somehow that deadpan delivery was gonna like heighten the comedy yes and it totally did i don't think does a single character even laugh throughout the whole movie no i don't think that i don't don't think so once yeah. <laughs> it's um I think my one of my favorite moments of this movie is when they're looking for a doctor and the stewardess is walking around and that lady goes, Stewardess, I think the gentleman next to me is a doctor and you don't see him yet and she just goes, Sir, are you a doctor? And wearing a stethoscope in his ears <laughs> he just looks at her without emotion and goes, That's right. <laughs> That's how we're introduced to Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. <laughs> Something that actually really surprised me about this movie is how slowly it starts. Like the first 20 minutes is pretty slow. And then it's like, yeah, like it almost takes that long to like really get on the airplane because like you have like Stryker and Elaine with their like relationship stuff and then like a long disco mm -hmm. flashback and like, <laughs> like by the time the plane is up in the air, it's like 20 minutes in. Yeah. It, it's just interesting how long that took, how slow. You know, it's like a kind of a slow burn. And I bet if you mapped, if you kind of mapped this movie on like a chart, it would show like an exponential rise all the way up into the climax of the movie. And like in the sense of like, hmm. you know, like it's just like it starts slow. We're introducing the characters. You start with kind of that funny joke of the the announcer's <laughs> This is about the red zone red and the, zone white, and the zone. white zone. <laughs> and then it's, yeah, that's, you remember what the character says? Um, it's like, don't, don't start with your white zone bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when it starts to kind of like derail. And then I think one of them somehow, I just think it's so funny. It, de it derails into an argument about why she should get an abortion. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and she doesn't want to. And he talks about how it's a perfectly safe medical procedure if done correctly. <laughs> like 1980 yeah amazing that is oh like the thing the one thing i will one more thing about satire and parody is that you can you can go so much more on the like either inappropriate or just like edgy level with any sort of social or political stuff if it's masked in comedy like i think for a lot of people if there were a conversation about an abortion in a movie in 1980, a lot of people would have been really, really upset. And I'm sure people, a ton of people were upset about Airplane. But the fact that that's like masked in this really comedic interchange between two disembodied voices, it just yeah. like, they're able to get away with it at that time. Yeah. It's like totally in the background. <laughs> yeah. But like still very like perceivable. Like once again, no character draws any attention to it. It's just like what's being spoken over these airport proceedings. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> this is the normal world we live in. This is that. That's it. Yeah. That's true though. Like the jokes at the beginning are more spread out and like elongated. Whereas like by the end, like, like the story structure can really be measured in like the frequency of jokes. Like by the end toward the climax, it's like rapid fire jokes, like one after the other, after the other, after the other. And like jokes kind of like coming like working over one another like when striker is trying to land the plane he's just like pouring so much sweat yeah every single second and like it cuts back to like the the passengers and they're like assuming crash crash position (laughs) they all like literally like contort their bodies into a position as if they have just crashed and then all of a sudden like leslie nielsen walks in to the cockpit for like (laughs) The second time amidst the crash and just deadpan, like as everything is shaking and they're they're about to die, just says, just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> yeah. Just like constant jokes. You're so right. Oh, man. Yeah. those. I like the jokes that, that build, like the ones that will kind of like grow through time, like the Hare Krishna people. Yes. Like I think in 1980, they were really notorious for being at the airports and like bothering people, yeah. basically just like coming up like, I have this for you. Like, would you like to learn more about this church? Yes. And like people just, the general perception is that it was like annoying yeah. <laughs> and you could get away from them. So like they're all there and they just like approach all the characters literally right out of the gates. Like, yeah. <laughs> no hesitation. Then all of a sudden, one approaches Stryker after uh-huh. um, Elaine kind of ditches him, and he just grabs his head and punches him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Larry Krishna guy goes down. And then by like two-thirds of the way through the movie, Kramer comes to the airport. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> he has to get to the place that he can help land the plane, <laughs> and all these Hari Krishnas come up to him. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts doing like karate yeah. like judo moves and just like knocking them out one by one like to the point where he flips his whole body over one of them and like kicks another guy while he's flipping through the yes. air. <laughs> I really wanted to talk about this scene because that's actually Robert Stack doing that. It's like amazing. It's amazing and that's like a long sequence. It was like very well choreographed and it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. And you can hear people in the background that's like hilarious. coming up to him like approaching him with more things. I think at one point one guy just goes, "Help Jerry's children." <laughs> yeah, that's that might be like the best example of like the slow burn comedy. Like they maybe that's why the movie starts so slow. It like takes the time to like established like this world and just like let every let you see what the normal world is like but then slowly like jump off of that like what 
what does everyone want to do when these people approach them on the street like that? It's like everyone <laughs> hates those people. And so, so by the end, you need to have a scene like where it's just like he just beats them up. <laughs> like seven of them. <laughs> like they're not fighting back or anything. They're not like aggressive. <laughs> he just drops them all. <laughs> So that scene maybe made me laugh the hardest. That might be my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> Another one that I just think is so great is when that lady's freaking out and everyone's like, yo, I'll take oh. care of it. I'll handle her. I'll just shake her and slap her. <laughs> that's another one that's like direct from Zero Hour. Uh, There's like a part in Zero Hour where a woman's like, I can't handle this. Like, this is too much. And like a guy grabs her hand. He's like, get a hold of yourself. And like, he's very like strangely aggressive mm. with her but it like ends at that and so with airplane they have like one guy come over to her and he's like get a hold of yourself it's okay <laughs> and like someone's behind her it's like let me do this and then like gets a little more aggressive and it just builds and builds until there's like a line of people waiting to like <laughs> basically harm this woman <laughs> the stuff that they're holding too one old lady just has a revolver <laughs> like, and there's still people behind her. Like that won't exactly. Someone like, has a bowl whip. One of the jive guys just has boxing gloves. Someone has a pipe, <laughs> a wrench. You're right. You're right. I thought about that. The fact that the lady with the gun is not the last person is so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That is so <laughs> just all like within seconds just line up in order to <laughs> hurt this woman. <laughs> you got to think that Adam Sandler was inspired by Airplane mm. because like the way that the side characters work in his early movies, like the way we've talked about it, where they just all will come together to do things right. even though they have no prior relationship is very much the way that Airplane operates. God, you are so right. <laughs> <laughs> you got all these like hilarious side characters who are just passengers and yeah. like some of the jokes are just them interacting like all of a sudden everyone freaks out because they realize like the planes <laughs> are, like possibly yeah. gonna crash and like you see two guys like the jive guy and someone else like fighting with swords <laughs> like amidst the chaos and then they cut to a nun like strangling one of the Hare Krishna guys as <laughs> he's like trying to get her That's hands right. off him. <laughs> yeah you're right there's this it's it's so funny too how like there are certain side characters in this movie that you see only once and then you don't ever see again like i'm yeah me i'm not positive but i think the lady that they're slapping i don't know if she's really ever in it again or is she the one who's like bill never has a second cup of coffee yeah it's her yeah, okay it's her. i see um uh -huh. but like for example like the <laughs> japanese guy who kills himself like we don't ever see him right. earlier in the movie nor is it ever referenced later that he is dead you know what i mean yeah 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 or this like little gentleman kid who gives this girl coffee and asks if she wants cream yeah. and she's like probably nine <laughs> years old and she says i take it black like my men and <laughs> never see that kid again <laughs> i and this cracked me up i always laughed at at how she said that and that she said that but this time i was struck especially by how funny it was that they then after she says that they then cut to the boy who has this kind of look on his face like, ah, oh, dang it. Like, I don't have a shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, because he's a white kid. Yeah. And they hover on his face for like five seconds. Yeah. It's a very long time. Yeah. And they do the same thing with Joey after Kareem Abdul-Jabbar grabs him by like the lapels and basically tells him to shut up about yeah. his critiques about his ball playing. <laughs> and it just like shows Joey for like five to seven seconds <laughs> looking very yeah, afraid. It does.
Um, something that I think is so funny is at one point, very quickly, it's, so, it's such an obvious joke and it's so funny. They show a nun. She's reading Boy's Life magazine. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cover, it's just, it's two kids fly fishing. And then they cut immediately to a boy and he's reading Nun's Life. <laughs> and it shows a nun surfing. <laughs> it's like it really plays into that trope, you're right, of these like, who are the, they're like, I don't know. I feel like it would almost be a good, like watching this movie, like separated from 1980, like we are now almost 40 years later. Um, it's like a good character study and like who were the stereotypical people that you saw all the time in this era of history? It's like these are the style, like the hard Christians, like we said, the people in the airport, like nuns with guitars, you know, um, it's just it's like it kind of I feel like it just does a really good job of being like these are the people that every viewer in 1980 watching this movie would have been like I've seen those people a lot. Mhm. Yep. Yeah, they do kind of represent a lot of different <laughs> populations. Yeah. There's even like the gay man who's Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny. Johnny <laughs> like I, I, that's another one I don't think that character could exist today. Um Right. Because it's like it's never it's never made like they never say he's gay or anything like that. Um, but like that's I just think that's such an interesting character because it's like partially the jokes that he makes. And like I'm not sure what the jokes are with that character. Like he makes jokes. Is he himself supposed to be a joke? I don't know because he has agency and authority in the movie, which I think is funny. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like he's not like he's not like down. He's not like a downtrodden character. Like he has enough agency and authority to wear when Lloyd Bridges tells him to get him coffee. Do you remember, do you remember these parts? Yeah. He just says, no, thanks. No, thanks. Like as if he assumes that Lloyd is offering him coffee, (laughs) Johnny, more coffee. No, thanks. (laughs) And then as a whole, that character just says some very funny stuff. Like when he starts just berating that woman for her outfit. Yeah. (laughs) Screaming woman. Yeah. When they're going to the tower and he starts leaping through the air, screaming the word Rapunzel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also rolls his R's a lot, which is really funny. Hmm. Yeah, like when they get the weather report and he goes, Johnny, what do you make of it? What can you make of this? He goes, well, let's see. I can make a hat or a br-. He says brooch, but he goes, a brooch. Can't even do it. A brooch. <laughs> this movie, like so many other movies tried to do this and... Yeah. None of them really work. I mean, I haven't seen the Naked Gun movies, but I guess like those tend to be considered pretty classics along classic along these lines. But like, there was like a big wave of movies like this that I think Zucker might have helped. One of the Zuckers helped produce mm. in like the late '90s and 2000s. You know, yeah. it started with Scary Movie, and oh, yeah. then there was like Date Movie, and not like, another Teen Movie. Yeah, just like all these different like types of movie that was just like this type of humor but it just didn't really work no it didn't i don't i don't really know how they pulled it off so well here maybe because it was original yeah maybe that's a really good question yeah i I feel like yeah i don't know i i feel like there's a definite answer to this and i i don't know what it is i'm not i'm not familiar i think i'm not familiar enough with some of those like parody movies um But I know that like the kind of the last parody movie was like Epic Movie. Epic Movie. Which right. like that even, I mean, that came out after the movie 300. It was largely, I think, based on 300. So it's like, that's late. 
like most of those parody movies were like you said late 90s or early 2000s yeah i don't know there's a sense of airplane that like there's amidst the stupidity there's intelligence behind it it's not just stupidity for stupidity's sake yeah and and maybe because they were wise enough to base it on a movie and they therefore followed good story structure and format whereas like maybe the other ones like don't have story structure and format because they don't build the stakes correctly or they don't use suspense or they don't understand that like not just making a goofier version of a character always works you know like <clears throat> sorry leslie like leslie nielsen's character is not goofy at all in any way it's just like the things he does like heighten like the whole coming in <laughs> everything you know we're, we're counting on you and that that sort of thing Mm-hmm. it's not like every joke works like some of them are really dumb but there's just like they're like three seconds long so you just wait for the next one yeah maybe that's like like you said when you're talking about stacking the jokes especially in the, as the plane is crashing like again in in about 20 seconds you have the full realization of lloyd bridges glue addiction um <laughs> Which apparently makes his hair, like, stand up straight as if his hair was covered in glue. Well, I think he was dangling (laughs) upside down right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, And we have no idea, like, how or what from. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But at first, he doesn't look like he's upside down. Then the camera just, like, turns over and you realize that he is. Uh, (laughs) No one's responding to this, like, suddenly insane behavior of a man who's, like, basically been in control of, like, this whole operation for the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, there's even that sequence when he's, like, first talking Elaine through, like, turning on the automatic pilot where it's, like, a very serious and well-acted scene. Mm -hmm. Now, lower left, you'll see a button, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, John Hammond with Dern in... Exactly. uh, Yeah, in Jurassic Park. Exactly. So it would be basically if, like, later John Hammond starts running around naked. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And as if, like, a prosthetic arm suddenly fell on Elaine's shoulder. <laughs> we should we should at some point. Uh, I think this is a challenge for us to eventually rewatch Jurassic Park and snob about it as if it's a parody film. <laughs> I think it's doable. I think it is. And. I think I've mentioned this before. For me, I'm now when I watch action movies, I tend to enjoy them more if I watch them assuming they're parodies because then I can feel like at least I'm getting something out of it. Because like Transformers, if you watch that movie thinking it's trying to be a serious and good action movie, well, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you watch it saying that this is making fun of other Michael Bay movies, then you're like, oh, nice. This is funny. I mean, it's like how hard we laughed at Independence Day Resurgence, that opening (laughs) sequence. Right. It just like <laughs> Jurassic you, World too. Jurassic World too. That is a bullshit movie. <laughs> <laughs> so many good jokes. Yeah. Even like there's just so even like the little one hitters like when <laughs> one hitters. the pilot <laughs> the pilot's like briefing Leslie Nielsen about like yeah everyone had steak or fish for dinner and he's like ah oh, yes I remember I had the lasagna that I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> Does it go any further than that? <laughs> yeah, I think he even says the phrase, ah, yes, I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it well. I had the lasagna. <laughs> that, I, I would love, I feel like 
I feel like a movie needs to be made about the making of this movie. Um, often when movies like that are made, they're kind of, they kind of suck, but I would just love to know what, what it was like on set. Like, was that in the script or did they just tell Leslie Nielsen to kind of wing it? You know, like say, yeah, say a couple different things. <laughs> I know a lot of the movie was improvised. Really? Okay. It seems like, yeah, it. <laughs> I had the lasagna. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing movie. Yeah, it really is. Um, I'm constantly, I laugh so hard at the end when like, it's like landed and then just, I was kind of falling asleep. But if I remember right, Stryker and Elaine kiss and then like they look over and the automatic pilot salutes them and then just like starts <laughs> taking off. And then there's like an automatic <laughs> Mrs. Pilot and he winks yeah. and then he yeah. flies away. He takes off. <laughs> yeah. Otto, the automatic pilot. So his name was Otto. Yeah. Because in the credit sequence at the end, they have like, you know, an image of mm-hmm. all the different actors and characters, you know, Robert Hayes mm-hmm. as so-and-so. And the last one is and introducing Otto as himself. <laughs> it shows the automatic pilot. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Even the credits is a parody. <laughs> oh, I should have fucking watched the credits. Like, yeah. I mean, I watched like most of them, but like, I feel like this is a movie where definitely like lower down on the credits, they would have inserted like stupid fake names and stuff. Oh yeah, probably so. <laughs> well, I don't think I have much more to say about this I, one. I don't either. I don't either. It's one of those it's where it's worth like... watching. It's an, yeah, you have to watch this. It's unfortunately so good that like you can't really you can't really laugh at its stupidity because it's intentionally stupid. Uh-huh. In a in the good way, in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good snob and movie. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a movie that snobs about movies in general. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. And yeah. um even for feeling a touch dated, it it's like every time I watch it it's fresh and the same jokes make me laugh. Yeah, I was surprised at how many times I laughed, like, a lot watching it again, because I've probably seen it ten times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, when that, uh, that, um, when Stryker's in the hospital, and he's mm-hmm. talking about the different conditions that these other people have, and he says that this one guy's shell-shocked and thinks he's Ethel Merman. Oh, my God. cuts to this guy who just is Ethel Merman <laughs> breaking out into song as, like, the orderlies are trying to restrain <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and that that scene is so funny. And he's he's painting a picture that basically like displays his PTSD, and and we see that it's actually and like a model standing there, and he's just painting the model. Right. <laughs> he's trying to. Can I take a break? Yeah, take five. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, tons and tons to enjoy in this movie. So if you haven't seen it in a bit, listener, you should definitely give it a little revisit. Yeah, I actually kind of want to now at some point actually map out the jokes and graph it. And uh, that would be hard, but maybe I'll consider it. Could be done. Yeah. Yeah. We need a fresh post on generalsnobbery.com. Exactly. Show like the <laughs> the perfectly exponential graph of airplane jokes. Yeah. <laughs> this probably would I would imagine it would follow the Fibonacci sequence somehow, maybe in reverse. Fibonacci. That sounds like yeah. Angels and Demons. <laughs> I'm sure that Brown, D. Brown has done something with the Fibonacci sequence. What is the Fibonacci <laughs> sequence again? It's like um, a pattern that's found throughout nature. And um, 
in mathematics it's represented as like um, each succeeding number mm-hmm. is the sum of the previous two numbers. Oh. So it's like one, one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Twenty-one, and just kind of add infinitum. Yeah. And if you like look at it, um, in like it's represented in this almost kind of seashell shape that just kind of like expands. Interesting. Outwards and. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like it. Oh, that's right. I remember doing those on a graphing calculator. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and somehow like that pattern is found like in just like consistently in nature in like the patterns of flowers or like the shapes oh. of certain animals um or like there's like a ratio involved that is apparently just a commonality throughout nature. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So God exists. God exists exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Airplane. His name His name is Airplane. His name is Mall. <laughs> His name is Robert Mall. <laughs> Robert Molson. Robert Molson. That sounds like a fun thing to edit. <laughs> Just change Meat Love's face to Darth, Darth Maul. <laughs> that would be really hilarious. In death, Project Mayhem has a name. Yeah. This man's name. Yeah. It's Robert Molson. <laughs> I'm I'm fully willing to go down the path of mall worship. I see no no wrong in it. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I know we've talked about it before. He is the coolest part of the Phantom Menace, at least in my mind. Like possibly the prequels in general. Yeah, Darth Maul is fucking amazing. <laughs> no, like <laughs> it's funny in the Phantom Menace, George Lucas created the best character and the worst character of all the Star Wars. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> right. And, and his favorite was the worst one. Fucking ah! Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> That's so amazing. It's like, how can you think Jar Jar Binks is awesome when you have Darth Maul? <laughs> Darth Maul's like, like the coolest guy. I remember specifically buying Mountain Dew because it had Darth Maul's face on it. At- was that Code Red? Mountain Dew Code uh, Red? Uh, straight oh, up Mountain Dew. I don't Dew. remember. I just remember all the Pepsi products. It'd be like, hey, this is a case of Qui-Gon Jinn or whatever. Like, mm, yeah. you know, and. Yeah, I remember it being like, fucking Darth Maul, uh, fucking Mountain Dew, yeah. Fucking <laughs> yeah. <laughs> proceed to have about five Mountain Dews. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to consider Maul. I will be considering Maul. Yeah, let's start doing hashtag Maul. <laughs> if you have any insights on Maul and uh, yeah. his meaning for the contemporary moment, Listener, please feel free to send it our way, generalsnobbery at gmail.com. Yeah. Or just come to our website and um, check contact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, send us a DM. (laughs) Please. (laughs) All right, well, thank you, listener. Um, Go watch Airplane. It's really funny. Totally. See you later. See ya.